Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. A few months ago, I was uh, away with Pastor Francis Amfuso, my good buddy, prayer partner, uh, friend, and uh, we were talking uh, about this idea of loving your life. Many of you might remember one of the times he preached here uh, in the last few years, he brought this word about uh, loving your life. allowing God to heal your heart from stuff. And uh, Francis has as much stuff in his background as pretty much anybody I know. And uh, he he had a lot of baggage when the Lord saved him. He was a long-haired, hippie freak, roaming the island of Maui, Hawaii. He was uh, strung out on drugs, uh, drinking himself crazy. He had a twin brother. Uh, Joseph, who was living in uh, Europe at the time, and he was also a long-haired hippie freak. Uh, They were both running from God, and uh, they both hated their life. They hated their father. Uh, They hated how they had been brought up. They they hated everything about life. And uh, they had a praying mother. How many of you thank God for a praying mother? A wife. His, many of you remember Francis' story. Francis' father was a congressman. He worked directly with John F. Kennedy. Uh, Francis has so many pictures of his dad in the White House with President Kennedy. And, uh, and yet Francis' father died in a hotel room with two prostitutes after having a massive stroke. That was his legacy. At least that's what the enemy wanted him to think his legacy was. Hear me this morning. Your legacy is not what some parent in your past did against you or for you or anything else. Your destiny is in Christ Jesus who saved you, who delivered you, who healed you, who brought you to the place of righteousness. So all of us have a past, but we're not bound to that past. Can you say amen to that? So we look at this idea this morning that God has written a script for your life. Jeremiah chapter 29, you know this, very familiar. I've preached it a ton of times over the last 10 years. But this one particular verse right in the middle of these verses that I normally read, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, God speaking to his children through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, for I know the plans that I have for who? For you, for me. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for welfare, but not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Say hope. Our world today needs to know some people that have hope. I didn't say this world needs to see religious people. I said this world needs to know some people that know what hope is. Hope when it looks like the odds in front of you 
are against you. This morning, Melissa and Brian, probably Melissa, uh, sent, sent uh, a group of us a video uh, from four years and three months ago, just uh, four days after I was diagnosed by the doctors and given three months to live without treatment, maybe a year with treatment. And as I was watching this video of the team of us, eight or ten of us, I think, uh, with a small team from Cuba, and we were down there to preach to a uh, hundred or so pastors and their wives and to bring the truth and to uh, preach to them out of the very Bibles that we had had the privilege of giving them over the last five years. And so I'm watching this video this morning, and my first thought, the, the enemy jumps on your shoulder, right? And he says, how are you going to tag that, tie that into God's script for you? Why would anybody want the script that God had for you? Well, nobody wants my script. But then again, listen to me. I don't want yours. I don't even know what all of y'all are, but all combined together? Mm, no, thank you. But my script, there is a grace for my script. When a doctor looks at you in the eye and says, I'm sorry, but without treatment, you're going to die. With treatment, we're hoping, believing for a year. Well, I don't like either one of those, right? I mean, do you, you know how quickly a year goes by? Just put a piece of gum underneath your chair right there. No, don't do that. But just like that, a year from now, you can stick your hand down there and probably get that same piece of gum, and it's going to be just like that. I don't know where that illustration <laughs> That was a stupid illustration. Sorry, Oscar. Ellis, the guys that clean, don't put gum under our chairs. Thank you. There's other ways to determine how quickly a year goes by. So we're four days into our trip to Cuba. And when we left on Sunday afternoon and drove down to Orlando to spend the night, I told the team that uh, what I had been diagnosed with on Friday just two days before. And I said, but listen, we have a job to do down here. We have ministry to perform. We have a grace to walk in. And this trip is not going to be about me and this diagnosis. Easier said than done when you're with a bunch of people that love you. Because every time they would walk up to me, they'd start crying. <laughs> like, how is that? Yeah, you can... Put that somewhere. And we get on the bus, and our bus driver would start playing this amazing worship music. And our whole team, from, from our drive to where we were staying to where we were ministering, we would worship every day. It was our salvation. It was my salvation. And, and I'm thinking this morning as I'm looking at this, because all my notes had been prepared, and yet here I was watching this video with this clear reminder of how quickly four years and three months went by. And, and I remember pulling Otoniel and Abdiel, our two Cuban brothers that were staying with us. Abdiel's wife uh, was with us, and, and they were kind of like uh, having a, a they've been married for quite a few years, but they had never been off since the day they were married and stayed in a hotel together. So we had this beautiful resort we're staying at. And uh, 
I had pulled Abdiel and Otaniel aside and I said, listen, I don't want your wife, Abdiel, I don't want your wife to have to deal with, I want you all to enjoy this trip. I want, we want to bless you as you guys are blessing us. So, man, they had roses come to the room. They had all this beautiful stuff for Abdiel's wife. And, and uh, Otoniel, whose wife was supposed to go with us, she wasn't able to go. He walks in his room, and there are roses from the door to the bed. He's by himself. <laughs> <laughs> I said later when he told me, I said, you could have swapped rooms. Suzanne and I would have taken that, and I would have acted like it was my idea, you know? <laughs> But uh, Oto Neal takes pictures of himself laying on the bed <laughs> with all the roses and sends it to his wife, says, I miss you, baby. <laughs> so we went through the whole week and worshiping, praying, ministering. And on the very last day, I felt compelled of the Lord to share with all these pastors that were in this room. I had not planned on it. In the natural, I did not want to do it. I didn't want to talk about it. First of all, I didn't even understand the diagnosis that I had been given. What in the world is multiple myeloma? Didn't have a clue. But at the end of ministering to these hundred pastors and their wives for a few days, faith was risen in the room, there was hope, there was excitement, there was a, an encouragement from the Word that I had had the privilege to preach and Oscar translated. And, and at the end, I said to them, I want to share something very confidential. And the people's response was overwhelming, the response of faith. I mean, here's these pastors that live a life that you and I most of the time cannot even comprehend. The price they pay to preach the gospel, the price they pay to go to church, the price they pay to have what you and I take for granted, what we have freely every single week, every single Sunday. Come to church, don't go to church, go to Disney World, go to, come to church. Whatever we want to do, we have, we have the privilege to do, not them. There's a price. And the idea, basically, for them of not being in church is just, it doesn't exist. There are very few things more valuable than gathering with the people of God. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what the cost you have to pay, all over the world. For those of you that keep abreast of what's going on in the world with the voice of the martyrs and the persecuted church and all of these avenues, resources we have today to hear what's going on with our brothers and sisters around the world. We're, we're moved by it because they, they pay a price for what you and I, all we have to do is get up and get dressed and drive our nice cars to a nice building and spend some time and check off the box. But for many the script that's been written for them is far different than the script that was written for us. I don't want anyone else's script in my life. It takes enough grace for me to walk in the one that I have. But neither do we need to be arrogant or proud thinking that we have something because we are American Christians. Because the script that literally has been written for us, there's a price to pay to walk it out. And one day we're going to all stand, I might kind of tag on this next week, 
But one day we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. Not as unbelievers, but as believers. As a believer, you don't have to worry about giving an account, am I going to be saved or not? Do I get to go to heaven or not? No, that's settled in heaven. That's settled through the Word of God. That's settled by what Jesus Christ did for you. But what are you doing with what was given to you? Well, that's what you're going to be accountable for. Even if only four of you said amen to that, I want you to know one day we will stand before God, give an account for what was given to us. Come on. That's why you hear me preach all the time. Jamie referenced it last week. To whom much is given, much is required. We're going to stand before the Father one day and give an account for what has been given into our hand. What did you do with the script that God gave you? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Or did you rise up to the occasion to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, not only do I want to do it, I want to love my life while I'm doing it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you love your life? And if not, why not? Everybody in this room could lift up their hand and give a reason why through what they're going through would cause them maybe to not so much love their life as much as the person they're sitting next to. Oh, man, if I had his life, I'd be happy. I'd love my life if I had what he has. You don't know what you would do if you had what he has. Don't covet what another man has. Don't covet what another woman has because you don't probably have the grace to walk through what they've been called to walk through. But you can love your life. I believe that. I, I took an assessment of my life this week. I mean, I'm writing these notes and I'm asking myself, well, do you love your life? And, and I would have to say with deep conviction, I love my life, and I'm sorry you don't get to be me. <laughs> Second part, I'm just kidding. But I love my life. You say, Pastor, hold it. You've been going through this journey. You, you, you've been going through this battle for your health, for your life. That doesn't keep you. you. You've been going through a battle with your marriage, with your finances, with your children, your unsaved children. How can, how can you still love your life? Because loving my life has nothing to do with the external, has everything to do with who created me, who created you, who is the God that, that created you, had a purpose and a plan. Every time I get to be around a pregnant lady. There's something. I used to love when my wife was pregnant. She was so freaking sexy when she was pregnant. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I couldn't keep my hands off her. If she wasn't pregnant, I was about to get her pregnant. I mean, that girl was sexy. She would go, she'd like be pushing me away like, that's disgusting. Leave me alone. I said, oh, no, it ain't disgusting. <laughs> she'd be looking fine. 
I'd be counting down the days. Doctor? Okay, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> this weekend, Pastor Tad and Missy's daughter, Michaela, was home, and she's sitting over here with child. When are you due? March. And uh, they had a baby shower for her yesterday. Pastor was the only man in the congregation not invited. Not really certain why that I wasn't invited. I found out that other pastors were there and other men were there, but I wasn't invited for some reason. And, and I had to get in her healing, Michaela. So, so when that baby comes, I better be one of the first ones told that baby's here and get to hold it and get to dedicate it. I don't care what Pastor Tad says. I, I should, I should, because I dedicated you, so I should dedicate your baby too. I don't care where you go to church in Jacksonville. I'm that child's spiritual daddy, right? Just, just, just as long as we know that, okay? But there's something beautiful about babies. God has a script for them. God has a purpose for each and every one of them. Doesn't matter how they got here. Say, so, oh, well, in a perfect environment where daddy and mommy are there and everything's perfect. No, no, no. Even for a child born out of wedlock, born out of a situation, born into a situation, God has a purpose and a plan for that child. All of y'all say amen to that, whether you understand it or believe it. God has a plan, a script. He can show himself mighty. I'll never forget the first time I heard uh, Pastor James Robinson's story uh, when he shared how his mother was going to abort him. Could you imagine James Robinson not being a part of the world that we live in? Some of you say, yeah, because I don't even know who that is. <laughs> well, for all you young bucks, he's an older man than I am, mighty man of God, uh, mighty preacher. Uh, him and his wife still have a television show. But he told the story during all the uh, marching for babies and, and speaking for life. James shared the story of how his mother was going to abort him. And, and as, as he shared this whole story, my heart was gripped with the reality of all these babies that are killed, murdered every year in our country in the name of the mom has her rights. Mom's going to stand before God one day about those rights that she violated to protect that child that could not protect him or herself. Why? Because God has a plan for that child. Man, heaven's going to be an amazing thing when, you, when, when those who have repented and gotten right for, with God um, for past abortions and, and past murdering of babies, when God has forgiven them and, and received them and, and they get to meet their child in heaven one day. That's going to be a crazy time, huh? Wow. There are some things I don't want to be forgiven for. Francis and I were talking in this discussion about loving your life and, and the obstacles that come against us that keep us. And, and, and Francis has shared from this pulpit that he was responsible for two abortions from two different women that he was in relationship with and, and how his whole adult life, those two children remain a part of his heart, his mind, his writings, his preaching, 
touches on the pain of what sin and hatred of his own life cost him. God has a plan. In John chapter 10, the second part of that verse, most of you know the first part very well. The thief, the enemy, Satan, Luther, whatever you want to call him, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus doesn't end his statement with that. He declares, but I have come to give you life, and that life more abundant. So right here in 2024 at the Rock of Gainesville, you can not only love your life because God wants you to love your life because he loved you so much, he gave his son Jesus Christ to come and to die a horrible death on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be in right relationship with him. You think that's not love? He loved you that much. And he says, I want you to have life and that life more abundantly. Why? Because hear me, no matter what circumstance or situation you're going through, if you don't love your life and you don't appreciate the script that God has written for you, then you will turn things inward and everything will become about you. And you won't be available to touch someone else's life. See, I started thinking about this script in my life, and I know no one else's life except maybe my wife, her script, as much as I know my own. But in my script, walking in faith, overcoming obstacles, learning how to make declarations even when your body doesn't feel like it, you have to set on your heart, what does God's word have to say? What did God speak to you? And what are you going to do with it now that he's spoken it to you? Are you going to forget it? Or are you going to remind yourself continually that his grace is sufficient and whatever he's called you to walk through, he's graced you to walk through it. So I say all that to say this. I have had opportunities in life to minister to people that I would have never in my entire life ever had the opportunity had I not been walking out the script that was given to me. Wow, how would a good God let you get sick like that? God didn't let me get sick. God didn't make me get sick. God did not put sickness on me. God did not put cancer on me. We live in a real world where mankind, Adam, gave over our rights thousands of years ago. Because of it, him and Eve kicked out of the garden. Sin came in. And until Jesus returns for his bride, we're going to be living in a real world, fighting real devils, and really learning how to overcome every battle that the enemy throws against us. Every battle. Not some of the battles, but every single battle. So no matter what your script is, there's a grace for you to walk in victory. There's a grace. Jesus said, I want you to have abundant life. This week, I had four opportunities to minister to people that are going through a lot of pain, 
a lot of sickness, a lot of bad reports from doctors. Their body is giving them a bad report. And yet through connections, the Lord opened doors for me to go face-to-face or via telephone or Zoom and minister hope and encouragement because of what I'm walking through. Man, I still would not have signed up for this had I had a choice in the matter. But because I don't, I live with what I have, I deal with it, I confront it, I call God's word, God's word over circumstance and situation and declare then that whatever door God wants to open, I'm going to be readily available to speak life. To speak life. It's a choice. I love my life. I love the script that God's given me. It's a life of faith. It's a life of hope. Man, sometimes I don't like how I feel. Sometimes I don't like what's going on in my body. Sometimes I don't like the report of the doctor. Sometimes I don't like getting rebuked by the doctor for making numbers bigger than that. There's a whole lot of things I don't like, but I love my life. And I love the opportunities that God has given me. Last week, I got a text from a precious lady in the house who I thought I knew who she was, but I was wrong. (laughs) But I found out who she was, and I found out who her husband was, and they're serving here this morning in this house. And, And through connect group connection, I get a text saying, hey, so-and-so has a friend of a friend, and I'm getting, I'm getting confused by all the connections because I thought it was one person, and I find out, no, it's, it's not the person that's in our church. I thought that I was praying for them first. Oh, Lord, I didn't know that, that she was dealing with cancer. And then I found out, no, it wasn't her. And, and then I thought it was her mother. And then I found out, no, it's not her mother. It's her best friend of her mother. And, and so, man, this thing's getting complicated. But in the end, we got connected. And she simply asked me a question via text. Would you be willing to minister to my friend in South Florida? Absolutely. Next day, times are lined up, phone calls made. I receive a phone call from a precious couple. They're probably watching service this morning. And I spent an hour and 40 minutes on the phone with this woman and her husband who got a bad report from a doctor. Anytime you hear stage four, it's a bad report. But hear me, God's not limited to stage four or stage three, or stage two, or stage one, or no stage. God's not limited to what your banker tells you. God's not limited to what your therapist tells you. God's not limited to what's going on around you as long as we can stir the Word of God up in us to begin to believe. Well, what does God say? I know what all the doctors say now, but what does God say? And so I had the privilege for almost two hours to talk to this couple, to pray for them to pray with them, to stand in faith, to, 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 to put a seed of hope, a seed of faith there. Listen, what God did for me, God's no respecter of persons. God will do for you. Hallelujah. Yesterday, last evening, I was having dinner with three of my precious grandchildren, just me and them having pizza. 
good time with silly kids. And a lady walks in, and she starts talking to me, and, and we chat a little bit, and she's telling me the story of her mother being diagnosed with stage four uh, uterus cancer, and, and my grandkids are just sitting there with their eyes big, they're listening to this girl talk, and, and then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray. And she said, oh, no, no, Pastor, you misunderstood. My mom was diagnosed 22 years ago with stage four uterus cancer and told she wouldn't live. And she's still living today because God healed her body. And, and, and she's telling me, God, this is a waitress at the restaurant. Come on, somebody. How, how, you go for pizza, you get faith. That's what I'm talking about. Then another guy walks by, and, and I look up, and, and he's got a bunch of boxes of pizza. He's walking out the door, and he goes, hey, pastor, how you doing? He walks out the door, and my grandkids, what do you think they ask? Who's that? I said, I don't have a clue. My granddaughter Stella goes, Baba, how come so many people know you? I said, I don't know, baby, but most of them were praying for me, so I'm okay with it. Suzanne came home yesterday and told me of meeting a, a lady uh, at the baby shower and that goes to another church here in town and told Suzanne, every single Sunday we pray for your husband. Little church across town. Come on, somebody. We're not in this battle alone. We have people holding up our arms. We have people standing in the gap for us. We have people standing to fight with us. No matter what it is you're going through, greater is he that is in you than he that is against you. And you can do all things through Christ Jesus. The rock, the redeemer, our savior. But you got to come to this place where you make a decision. Are you going to love your life? Are you going to live it abundantly according to the way God created you? Listen, I understand why in this world, unbelievers, people that don't know God, people that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, people that have not experienced the mercy of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God, I understand why they do not like their life. Why they are unhappy, why they are miserable, but for believers, come on, we have to get to the place where we say, whatever God's Word declares, so I am going to declare it over my own life. I'm going to choose that even though the script that I'm walking out might not be exactly what I think that I would have written for myself because you have no ability to write it. So you might as well accept it and begin to stir yourself, stir yourself to believe, okay, what is it that God's wanting to do through my life that's bigger than me? What is he wanting to, who is he wanting to touch? Who am I going to connect with? Because I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to accept the path that the Lord has for me, even though I don't fully understand it. I trust Him. I trust Him. But see, to get there, and, and this is where I got to get to real quick. To get there, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know this scripture. Before I read it to you, I asked them to throw this up, throw it up there on the screen. Greater 
the battle, greater the victory. Everybody wants to, woo, shout. But most of us want to do it without actually having gone through a battle. Yesterday, I was going over to the Rock School to watch uh, the middle school boys basketball uh, game, which my grandson was on. And so, uh, as I'm riding over there, I'd heard the Gator basketball game was on. So, I flipped it on for like 20 seconds, and it was like 10 minutes left in the Gator game, and, and they were winning by 20-something points. Then I come out later after the game's over, and I find out, well, the Gators won, but they didn't win by 20 points. <laughs> They thought they were going to breeze through Georgia, but Georgia fought back, and the game went into overtime, and Florida barely won by four points. Now, whoo, they were happy to win, but when they interviewed the coach, he said, we made that a whole lot more difficult than it should have been. <laughs> See, sometimes we make life more difficult than it should have been. When we take things that are, when we, oh, this is good right here. This is hot off the Holy Spirit press. <laughs> when we don't understand, when Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that he literally is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And, and you got a mark on your back. Right. And he's got the arrow. And he's aiming right at you. You can back down in fear, or you can stand up and go, nope, I don't care what he shoots at me, I got the shield of faith to stop every fiery dart of the enemy that shot against me. And then, when you go through a tough battle, whoo, the victory is sweet. The victory is sweet. I got up this morning, four years and three months after being told Maybe three months, at most a year. Well, you can just go, well, you know, maybe they just misdiagnosed. Or you recognize the battle you've been through, and you get up and you go, man, I'm looking down at the grass instead of up at the roots. God still has a plan for my life. Amen. Did you hear me? You're looking down at the grass instead of up at the roots. God still has a plan for your life. Doesn't matter the obstacle. Use it as a stepping stone. Every attack of the enemy, you use as a stepping stone. But to do it, you got to use the word. You can't just go, whoo, went to church, whoo, man, that felt, whoo, that was good. Well, what'd you learn? Well, I don't know, but it was good. Well, what was the word? Well, I don't know, but man, it was good. I feel inspired. Well, you're going to feel inspired until you get to the car. And somebody pulls out in front of you, <laughs> trying to get to the restaurant. And what comes out of you is ugly. You can't live by your emotions. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, verse 1, powerful, I'm not take to read it, but uh, verse 2 says this, do not. That sounds like a negative, but it's not. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. The perfect will of God. 
See, you got to get the word in you, because if not, condemnation comes, beats you up. How many of you have sinned at least one time since you gave your heart to Jesus? Let me see your hand. That's everybody in here. But, but, but you're not bound to the condemnation that comes from the sin that you committed. Yeah, it was a sin. Call it what it is. You know, don't, don't, don't whitewash it. Don't act like it wasn't. Man, if you messed up, own it. Do you hear me? You own it so you can repent of it, so you can make things right, so you can be cleansed, so you can be renewed, so that you can prove the perfect will of God in your life. Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to close with this. Somebody come to the keyboard, please. Romans chapter 5, <laughs> verse 1. Oh, <laughs> Woo. I just spoke it into existence. <laughs> 11 verses here, powerful. Verse 1, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Who in their right mind rejoices in sufferings? The believer, that's whom? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Man, I could just go off here on five different stories of what over the last few years going through physical suffering causes in your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind. Now, I remember on one of our trips to Little Rock, which will be out there again next month, Suzanne and I were there. We're in the waiting room, waiting to be called back to the infusion room every day. I'm going through all of these treatments. And one day I'm sitting there, and a young man comes in and sits down. He's by himself, big old strapping young man from Oklahoma, probably 6'4", 240 pounds, 17, 18 years of age, by himself. And I go over, I, I, I make an excuse to go to the bathroom. I walk past him, nod at him, go to the bathroom, come back, stop and say, hey, my name's George. What's your name? Are you here by yourself? Anybody here with you? What's going on? Well, I know what's going on because every single person in this lobby, in this particular hospital, has multiple myeloma cancer. You're not there to get an infusion of vitamin C. You're there because you're fighting for your life. 17, 18-year-old kid all by himself. And I said, how long ago were you diagnosed? Two months. He's getting ready for a transplant. No mom, no dad, no family, all by himself. Man, my heart was gripped for this young man. I encouraged him, introduced myself, Pointed to my wife, told her who she was. If you need anything, please reach out. Let us help you. Going through suffering. See, we're not created to go through suffering alone. We need each other. Body of Christ. 
But what an opportunity we have to touch lives of people that are all alone going through suffering. But in our own personal life, we come to that place where we, what are we going to do with the suffering? He says, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and listen to this, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been saved by the grace of God. We've been redeemed by everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And on the way to the cross, for his blood to be shed for your salvation, the word says, Peter declared it, that Jesus took a whipping, 40 stripes upon his back. So that not only could we be saved, but that we could be healed and redeemed. Redemption. Wow. It's a wonderful thing. Redeemed in your family. Redeemed in your marriage. Redeemed with your children. Redeemed in your finances. Redeemed because what Jesus Christ did for you and me. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Redeemed. God has a purpose, a plan a future and a hope for each one of us. And I want to encourage you today to consider, if you don't love your life as a believer, why not deal with it, confront it, acknowledge it, and find out why there is a grace for you to love life. Love the purpose and the plan that God has for you. It's a future and a hope. And he's graced you. So listen to me. Look up here. Let me see the whites of your eyes. You have no excuse to be a miserable, lemon-sucking Christian. No excuse. I could, I could call out four or five people in this room that have gone through serious battles for their life. And one of the things that I love about every one of them is the joy of the Lord comes out of them. Not because everything's been easy, but in the midst of the toughness, God shows himself mighty, mighty on our behalf. Well, I'm only four minutes and eight seconds over. That is really good for me. I want to ask you just to bow your head for a moment, because I want to pray over two things this morning. While I'm doing that, I'm going to ask the ministry team to quietly just 
get up and come down here and line up in the front, get ready to minister for a moment. And as they're coming and you're sitting there, head bowed, I want to ask you to deal with the question I ask. Do you love your life? Do you love the script that God has written for you? Do you trust God with the script that he's written for your life? And if you're struggling with the answer to that question being what you believe the Lord wants it to be, I want to pray for you. And then in a few minutes, we're going to open up the altars. If you want to come down for ministry, encourage you to come down. Let somebody stand in agreement with you. But you have struggled with being kind of a miserable believer. We'll be kind and say it that way. But you know this morning by the word that you've heard that that's not God's plan for your life. And the script that he's written for you and the grace that he's given for you to walk through, it's a choice that you choose. And in choosing God's plan over your plan, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you say, God, use me in the midst of this that I'm walking through. But to get there, you got to be healed. And so with every head bowed and quiet before the Lord, I want you to be honest with yourself. Say, Pastor, I have not walked in the grace and the joy in the script that God has written for me. I've often complained. I've often felt sorry for myself. I've often wondered why do so many bad things happen. I'm a good person. I love God. God loves you so much. He wants to heal your heart. So if that's you this morning, this, nobody's looking around. This is just between you and Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you, but to do it, I want you to acknowledge. Just lift up your hand, hold it for a moment, and you can put it down. Pastor, pray for me today. Yes, thank you. You can just all across this congregation, I know there are many of you. You can put them down once you put it up. Just put it up as an act of declaration and faith. I'm believing this for me today. Thank you, all of you that have raised your hands. You can put them down. Anyone else, just put it up, put it down. And I want to pray over you right now. Bless you, all of you. I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. His grace is mighty and sufficient in your life today. So I want you to agree with this prayer that I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. Just need to wait a minute because I feel like maybe there's a few others of you. This is, this is just between you and Holy Spirit. Just lift up that hand so when I pray, you're, you're making that declaration. Yes, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your obedience. Now join with me. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me if you will.
Just lift up your hands before the Lord, all of you in this congregation. Let me ask Father's blessing over our lives as we have repented and make a declaration by the lifting of our hands. God, I don't want this to be the fruit of my life. I want to walk in the fullness of the grace that you have. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we lift our hands before you this morning, we are grateful, thankful today for your great love over us and that you have called us to love our lives and to love the plans that you have for us and to love the purpose in which you have called our lives to live out. Father, I thank you for this script you've written for every person in this congregation this morning. And I just stretch my hands over them, believing and praying in agreement, Father, with your word that you will show yourself mighty today, tonight, this week in their lives. And as they take the Word of God and begin to apply it to their life, renewing their mind daily, Father, that they will find a strength, a grace, an ability to allow the love of Jesus Christ to shine on their face so that they are readily available to touch this world that we're living in this week in our places of employment, our schools, Father, the colleges, the university, Father, in government buildings, in grocery stores, in retail stores, Father, in gas stations, in lawyers' offices, Lord, every place we put our feet, Holy Spirit, you will use us to touch someone in a significant way. And for that, we give you all thanks, all praise, all glory, all honor, because you are worthy of it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord an ovation. He's worthy of our praise this morning. Amen, amen. I want to ask you, if you will, just to bow your head one more time for just a moment. If you do not have a personal relationship today with Jesus Christ, know this, that God loves you so much in such a big way. And he has done everything he can do to enable you to make a decision to surrender to him. So that not only can you have life abundantly here and now on this earth, but more importantly, that you will have the guarantee that you will be with Jesus for all eternity. There's nothing greater than that, the assurance of your salvation. So with believers praying for you right here, right now for just a moment, if today you're ready to receive Jesus and ask him to be Lord of your life, across this congregation, would like you just to lift up your hand, let me see it, I acknowledge it, and then we'll lead you in a very simple prayer to invite Jesus today to be Lord of our life. Those that are watching online, you can respond. You can pray with us this morning. But today is the day of salvation. If you're ready to receive. Well, I'm going to rejoice and trust that everybody in this place is right with Jesus. And that today, that today you would have the confidence and the peace in who you are in Christ. Father, I bless you and thank you for this wonderful congregation of believers. 
And I pray, Father, that if there's even one person in here that not, is not yet right with you, that today, sometime before they put their head on their pillow tonight, they will have an experience through surrender that they can invite you wherever they are to come into their heart and that you will do what your word says, that you will save them, deliver them, heal them, bring them into the family of God. I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for these this morning in here also that are going through all kinds of different needs in their life, whatever they are, as we take just a couple of moments to worship you and to pray. I pray for those that need ministry today, that as they come to the front, they come stepping out in faith, receiving the fullness of a faith-filled prayer, believing with them that whatever their need is, Father, greater are you in their life than this need that's come against them. So I give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. If you have a need this morning, no matter what it is, feel free as Jamie and the worship team come to lead us. Feel free to come up. We're here ready to minister to you this morning in this place. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.